Welcome to the Relief Podcast, an artful break from your day. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer of the Akron Art Museum. And I am Gina Thomas-McGee, the Curator of Education. So we're starting on the word nostalgia. That's our topic for today. And I have to say, I think of nostalgia, whenever I hear the word even, I get a little teary. I think I'm a nostalgic person. Me too. And I have been having this phenomenon lately where I am nostalgic for something that is currently happening. And I don't know if it is because I have young children at home, but I will see something in my everyday life and immediately feel nostalgic for it, even while it is happening, which is kind of a problem. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I have that too, um, where I think, oh my God, this is a memory, but it happens to me at work in galleries. So I'll stand like I was walking through our galleries and you and I had um, worked in an exhibition and I was, oh my God, it's almost over. And it's not actually over until March, but I'm working on the next exhibition. And so I'm like, you know, I'm thinking like two years ahead. And so I feel very sad that the work is gone. Even I'm standing literally in front of it. It's true. It's true. You never know when you're making a memory. It just happens little by little every day. Yeah, I have that with artworks too in the galleries. It's almost like, what do they say about scent, that it's really powerful for pulling memory? Um, I feel that about artworks too. Like sometimes when I'm standing in front of something, I'll immediately like get flooded with this memory that I had with a student or, you know, just a certain day that I've been at work or in front of something. And it's nice, honestly. It's a nice kind of uh, mind shift. I love what you just said. You don't know when you're gonna make a memory. One of our um, uh, colleagues uh, in installation, I was talking, we were talking about the holidays and like, you know, you know, holiday traditions and or like birthday parties. It was actually a birthday party we were talking about, but he said, you don't know what you're gonna remember. It's true. That is so powerful. I can't tell you the number of thank you notes we've gotten from children who, say that their favorite thing about visiting the museum was the elevator. So, you know, we work on this curriculum and all these things, but really to them, the being a little person in this giant space was what made the memory. So, yeah, I think it's so powerful. You never know what you're going to sort of, what's going to stick. Um, Lots of opportunities. We have a lot of opportunities. It is true. We don't, like, I I think about nostalgia, and I think of what I'm nostalgic for. It isn't necessarily something, you said scent. It's things that, it's almost non-quantifiable. Like, things that make me feel nostalgic. I, I look at our, our Estes painting of a grocery store, and I'm not quite old enough to remember grocery stores like that, but it's closer to the t- grocery stores of my childhood, where you'd have those uh, numbers that were, like, plastic, and they'd, you know, go in. You could change them to 99, to 79, or whatever. They probably still, they have still have them at certain big box stores. I look at that, and I feel very nostalgic for it but I don't have any specific thing I remember it's not like I remember a moment where my mom was at the grocery store and she bought whatever's you know for sale peaches is one of the things that's in there it wasn't like that it's just like the feel of it somehow and what I love about nostalgia is that it's almost like not a word there's not a um there's not a story or a word it's a feeling oh 100 percent. like maybe the feeling of who you were in that minute you know we have lots of artists we've worked with in the collection that part of their practice is to sort of use their work to document their lives you know um the artwork you'll hear about later today is um almost has this like diary quality or like real documentation quality but i've been thinking too about the cleveland artist jordan wong that we've worked with over the past couple of years and he even weaves like memories of his childhood childhood toys and even his sketches from when he was little into his 
current work. And it's, it's immediate, like when you look at it, feels contemporary and nostalgic at the same time, which is such a nice feeling. Well, it kind of goes back to what you're saying, you're nostalgic for the moment you're in. Because <laughs> like his works are like that. You know, another thing I thought you were going to say about Jordan Wong that I bet you have, and I sort of have, but I haven't had a long his- as long a history at this institution, is the nostalgia for those artists. Because you've had a lot of experiences with them. Like we met Jordan Wong, and I do feel nostalgic for when you and I was were working with Jordan Wong, and it was in the you know, beginning of COVID and we were sitting outside so we could meet and we were sitting like on a porch outside together or, you know, when we have these conversations with artists and for us, sometimes the nostalgia is for the moment with them. But for me and for a lot of visitors, a lot of our collection, like the Bean Nettles, I, I never met her. I wasn't here when we had the show. I just love the work because it evokes some feeling to me. So it's kind of nostalgia can play a lot of different parts for us. Yeah, it's strange that, you know, looking at her work that you could feel like a vicarious nostalgia because her work has her hands so visible in it. Like it very much looks handmade and made in a specific time that you could feel nostalgia for her life, even though it has nothing to do with you. That's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, like she has that one picture of her son that's in a hand, and she's holding it. And I I feel nostalgic for her for having a son. And I've never met her. You know, I think actually, what I'm also thinking is when we talk about nostalgia, we're also talking about things that connect us to other people, other times. It's a thread almost. For sure, especially because so much of the work in the collection galleries here is really connected to what was going on in the world at that time. So like, even if you're looking at a work that has no imagery in it, you know, even if you're looking at a work that's just color and shape and line, it can feel like the 1960s to you, you know, and so like visiting a museum is sort of like you can take that nostalgic trip, depending on what you're looking at, you know, you get like a little window into different times and spaces. I kind of love that. It's like nostalgia for other people's lives is also a chance to get empathy. You know, they, I love to read and I often hear a lot of the dialogue about big readers as having um, basically have a lot of empathy because they imagining other people's lives. But I think art does. We have, you know, the Masumi Hayashi work is so beautiful. And it's, I don't know if nostalgia is the right word for people who have to remember their tough times, but maybe bittersweet, but recollections, certainly. And, you know, we have so many works that are about a moment, even the Philip Guston, but, you know, a moment in the 20th century when men wear boots like that, that makes connections that you don't have if you're just sort of not engaging, maybe. Yeah, it's true. And honestly, the reason that we know so much about past worlds and past people is through artwork. I mean, a lot of times that's all that has survived, right? So we can study it and we can learn from it. It's really, I mean, what better way to look at the way the world was and how people felt than to look at the artwork of that time? Well, that's that's a good segue because why don't we take a moment and think a little bit about the artwork? So I'm going to turn it over to the art moment. As I hunted through the collection, I spied this work by B. Nettles. It spoke to me. Reading more about it, I found so many sentiments of nostalgia wrapped up in this work. The woman in the image is Nettles' sister. So we have that fondness that swirls through nostalgia. On top of that, the vinyl heart was once filled with strawberry Kool-Aid, which Nettles used as a metaphor for childhood and innocence, which brings in more of that glowing element that tints nostalgic dreaming. But what about the sadness and the idea that something has been lost and cannot be regained? Where does that come in? 
Well, that carefully stitched Kool-Aid heart is no longer filled with the sweet tanginess that nettles associates with childhood. While this work was on display at a previous institution, a visitor pressed the heart, causing it to burst and leaving behind a dim pink trail. This rosy ghost of childhood sweetness now acts as a modern day memento mori, a reminder of the transience and preciousness of life and all its pleasures. And now over to Caitlin. Caitlin here for this week's Shop Talk with Cleveland artist Antoine Washington. With his inspiration rooted in the Black experience, Washington pulls from day-to-day realities and continues the conversation of Black American histories, such as the Harlem Renaissance. Washington also began and works with the nonprofit organization Museum of Creative Human Art, which focuses on existing as a safe space for creative expression through art-based education and character development. Currently, his work can be viewed in the museum's C. Blake McDowell Jr. Galleries as a part of Continuum, Historic References in Contemporary Art. During our conversation last month, Antoine is at home, where his family can be heard adding joy in the background, which really exemplifies his work's focus and aim. This is our first episode back in the second season of our Relief Podcast, and our first topic is nostalgia, so I'm going to jump right in. What does nostalgia mean to you in any context of the word? It means the past. I mean, it means, uh, I think with nostalgia to me, it means that I'm able to go back into the past and, and grab keys from that previous generation or that previous history to bring forth into the future and use that to carry on for the next generation to pass it on to them so they can carry it for another hundred years moving forward. And that's how that's how I look at nostalgia. I look at it as the keys in the past that can unlock many things in the future. I like that, like physical action for the word, like grabbing keys and bringing those forward because keys like do stick around for a while. I think of like a skeleton key. Um, Absolutely. Do you feel like nostalgia plays a part in your work at all in like a sort of influence? Absolutely. I love to look at artists before me. A lot of artists from the Harlem Renaissance period, a lot of artists from pretty much any period in in history. uh, I go back and just kind of study and and just look, kind of explore. Lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, research on the Harlem Renaissance period and looking to figure out some of the conversations that they were having during that time. And I'm I'm noticing a lot of overlap into what's going on today and what the artists were talking about. A lot of of that uh, nostalgia plays a lot of part. uh, I mean, I use a lot of it in my work. This is more of an aside for me personally, but I saw you mention on your website, Romeo Bearden and Jacob Lawrence, who are two of my personal favorites. And once I read that and I looked back at your work, especially the more recent paintings you have and kind of seeing, I feel like those works have such like a nostalgia to them because I can like feel the like memories being made within those paintings and kind of the warmth and like... Um, so that was more of an aside, but I, I like that you mentioned them. Um, I just think their work is great. And I love how that translates into like this topic that we're talking about. You know, I try to make sure that I pay homage to them, uh, especially like with Jacob Lawrence and color and how he used uh, shapes, how he used line work and just different things like that. And also Romare Beard in the way that he kind of used like collage, but he also used like these different references of what you know, Black culture was and what we were going through at the time, Um, you know, even taking, you know, a lot from uh, William H. Johnson as well. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but just how he used the content around family and how 
he talked about that, but that family structure in a different time. And so me, I just want to take those different uh, subject matters, the different things that they were talking about back then and modernizing them into, you know, to today. So now it's palatable for someone who's my age or younger to, you know, relate to, you know, the stories and different things that I'm trying to say in this time and today. That's wonderful. And you mentioned the word family. And to kind of transition, I sent you that artwork by Bean Nettles, the strawberry yes. Kool-Aid heart, yeah. which is a portrait of her sister. So yeah. making that connection. What is your initial response to that work? Have you seen it before? No, that was my first time. And me me seeing it at first, I was really drawn to the photo because that's the focal point of it. But then when I began to, to read about and get some history on the work and seeing that how the Kool-Aid uh, spilled out of the, uh, the heart and then began to like make this dripping effect running down, it started to, but it, but it also talked about that history of family and sister and, and, and how important that piece of artwork was to the artist. It, it brought me back to the way that I create and in a sense of it, it was vulnerable, a lot of emotion and it was near and dear. And I think the artists think they nailed it. I mean, from from an emotional standpoint, I just I instantly went to start think about my family portraits and the different things that I'm doing and the work that I'm doing today. So it, it related a lot to the work that I actually do in my own practice. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that it connected well. Definitely connected. I didn't really know much about that work until today. I've seen it before, but I was always confused by the title, not really reading much more into it. So to yeah. know that um, a visitor pressed their face against it or whatever, and it broke the kool-aid bag it makes me so sad because it would be wonderful to see so to kind of transition away i'm going to ask you a couple of this or that questions so completely off the cuff um i don't think i've shared these with you so it'll just be five of them real quick so old versus new old versus new in the context of you said just uh just old versus new uh yeah because you've mentioned uh, both words already in our talk so far so this one's maybe tough (laughs) I'll, i'll say old okay Half full yeah. or half empty? Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say half empty. Okay. Morning or night? Morning. Okay. Fast or slow? Slow. And last one, salty or sweet? Sweet. Okay. Um, so you mentioned morning. What's the first thing you do in the morning? First thing I do in the morning is pray. Uh, I began to uh, try to, I learned to try to start my day off with a prayer and to set my day intentionally to be a positive outlook on what it it is that I want to do. And so uh, whether that is a positive affirmation, whether that is speaking life into my family and the people around me, but just making sure that I'm uh, I'm praying for others and, and and, and making sure that I'm setting that positive energy going on to the day. So that's probably the first thing that I do when I get up in the morning. And after that is chaos. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure with kids running around and absolutely. But how wonderful to start the day with a gratitude call and bringing that energy and that's wonderful. So if you were stuck on a desert island, this is not related to the morning, but if you were on a desert island, what would be your three studio needs that you could bring? Number one would probably be if I can bring a book or a couple of books. Number two will probably be music. Got okay. music. So whether it is my record player or 
I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, or 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 my, I don't know if I would want a phone, but it had to be like some type <laughs> of radio where I have access to music. So if it has to be a phone, it'd be a phone, but maybe my preference would be a record player and play some vinyl. And then number three would probably be family. Okay. I love to have family around when I'm creating. Yeah, just to hear my, just for me to yell at my kid to get out. <laughs> Brings me so much joy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I think you're the first artist. I think we've done ten episodes that has only mentioned non-physical studio material items. So it seems like it's all these influences that are really important to your work, rather than like the specific pencil brand or paint. Um, I find that really interesting. Yeah, I have to create from a real place. I, I like to say that I create like how a musician creates music. It has to be a vibe. It has to be something that inspires me in order. And I can create from anything from that. I don't necessarily need a pencil or anything like that. Just give me whatever's in the studio and let's work. I think in the interview, you mentioned how even one song can stay with you through a whole painting and like Absolutely. influence the whole time. So I'm curious, is there like a specific album book you're reading right now that's like prominent influence book i'm reading right now is by amos wilson it's, it's uh awakening the black genius and young children i might be messing that title up because it's a long title I, I just i just started reading this book uh i want to say like a couple weeks ago kind of uh, going through it pretty fast too because it has a lot of great information about teaching your kids and how to awaken that genius that's inside of them and so with me doing a lot of work uh, around family I'm starting to break off into creating work around these these uh these isolated stories with inside a family. And so I want to get to know a lot. I want to get to know a lot more and do a lot more research around like children and how their environments affect them in their growth around family. I've been reading that book uh, as far as like music. Lately I've been listening to a lot of uh a lot of jazz and a lot of uh a lot of Coltrane, a lot of uh <laughs> just uh <laughs> uh Kamasi Washington. Uh I pretty much just have the jazz uh playlist just on on repeat. I just let it go. Uh lately I've been on that, but if it's anything modern, yeah, it will probably be just really pretty much like R&B. Just okay. really, just like really something soft and really cool. Usually it's like, like hip hop and it's bass. And it's, it's been like that earlier in my, you know, <laughs> in a lot of my earlier work, but now it's been, I've been, I've been uh, going back into like listening to a lot more softer music and different things like that, just because I just been in that mode. Yeah. And you did say in the this or that, that you chose slow or fast, but there's still really good rhythm and beats and jazz yeah. that really can be like a meditative and like succinct uh, like Absolutely. environment to be in. That's cool. Do you have a favorite studio tool that's not books, music, or like family, like a specific item that you prize like using? Pencil. Pencil? Probably a graphite pencil. Yeah. Okay. Just because like drawing was it's like my first love. I love the, the action of just having one tool and having to make something out of that one thing. I think less is more. I think painting is uh, something that I've recently grown to love, but drawing was my first love. Okay. And so it will have to be a pencil with it's drawing paper and just simple, just like taking it back to childhood. Yeah, and really good baseline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> From the music references. Yeah, I guess I, 
that connected yeah, really yeah. well. So then the last question I have for you, as far as my set of questions is, what is your silver lining? I feel yeah. like I know what the answer is given some of your other answers, but. I think the silver lining for me, seeing the work that I do and seeing my mission has been as an artist, is probably be learn, learning to serve. Uh, through this whole process is just me serving the people, uh, serving my community, serving my viewers, my listeners, uh, whatever whatever part that I'm able to bring to the table, it's all about serving. And I feel like uh, learning to be a servant has been one of the, the most uh, challenging, but also the most fulfilling, I say, uh, because in order for me to be a leader, I have to be able to serve. And so as of now, I don't look at myself as a leader. I look at myself as a servant, but I know within that, in that, you know, in that, in that quality of service, and I find that inner leader inside of myself where I'm able to, uh, you know, pass things on, or mm -hmm. able to uh, inspire and be able to uh, help the next generation the best way that I can. Yeah, give them the keys, like you said at the beginning. There you go. That's wonderful. Um, Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I feel like that's a wonderful perspective to have because usually you think of leading the next generation versus serving the next generation. Um, so it's amazing. Yeah. Well, so yeah. my questions are done, but is there any upcoming projects you have that you might want anybody who listens to this podcast to know about? We obviously have your work right now up at the museum Absolutely. the mcdowell gallery but yeah is there anything you're cooking up yeah i'm working on a few things uh i'll be gearing up for uh more shows next year hopefully i'll get a solo show next year so i'm in talks to you know with with someone to, to do a solo show so i don't have all the details yet on that but i'm looking forward to that if that happens but i'm still going to create the work around that solo show so i'm looking i'm looking to call it black on black Lung. <laughs> okay and so uh that's gonna actually uh, be centered around just uh, culture and, and and the different things that we do and how we love each other through the different uh, actions and different things that we do in our serving for each other. And so uh, that's what that will probably be about, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So that's just all in my brain and sure. just kind of just rambling and talking to you right now about it. Uh, <laughs> But that would be, that. that's it. It just really pretty much that's it. I don't have anything like great and outstanding to really speak about as, as of now. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's what I have coming up as far as like uh, exhibitions at, as of now. Awesome. Yeah. And we do a podcast show notes. So I'll have yeah. everything in a little bio for you. No, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. You, you're my new friend now. Well, thank you so much again. It was truly so great to meet you. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. You be safe out there. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Podcast, an artful break from your day. 